I'm Brian Kilmeade. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm David Asman, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, October 21st, 2020. I'm Trey Inks. Coronavirus continues to hit the United States hard as experts warn of rising infection rates. This pandemic, as with so many issues in this toxic, polarized environment that we're living in right now, has become a political issue. And that is unfortunate because it's allowing the pandemic to to spread further. This is the Fox News Rundown, Global Pandemic. Infections are rising across most American states. With the election less than two weeks away, COVID-19 is a key issue for many voters. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from Fox News correspondent Jonathan Sari. Starting first in Belgium, where more than 8,000 new cases of COVID-19 were reported in the past 24 hours. The country will reach 100,000 total cases today as a curfew is being enforced over much of the country. The health minister for Belgium is warning of a tsunami of cases in the capital of Brussels. Now to Greece, that reported 667 cases of COVID-19 on Tuesday, the highest since a lockdown was lifted. Greece has largely been seen as a green country with just 26,000 total cases, though with 18 to 39-year-olds making up 60 to 70% of new infections, the rising cases could continue. Finally, in the United States, more than a dozen states saw new hospitalization record numbers. Experts are warning of rapid acceleration with more than 60,000 daily cases currently. With the election coming up, coronavirus has become a hot-button political issue in America. When you look at the numbers, the case numbers and also the hospitalizations, we are rivaling the peak that we experienced during the the summer in in many states. This is Fox News correspondent Jonathan Seri. This is being attributed to the weather getting cooler, people spending more time indoors, but also pandemic fatigue. More people are are, um, not wearing masks. People are getting lonely. They don't want to social distance anymore. And some people who have haven't gotten sick yet are saying, where's the threat? And they're taking risks and then more infection ends up spreading. Yeah. And it's a unique time for the U.S. right now, just less than two weeks out from the elections. And COVID-19 has really become such a hot button political topic. You have the president and uh, former Vice President Joe Biden back and forth talking about this issue. Uh, most recently, the president saying not to listen to the scientists and not to listen to Dr. Fauci. And you had Joe Biden basically take those words and turn them into a campaign ad. How is the issue of coronavirus playing into the elections? That's one of the most unfortunate things about this pandemic. You look at other events that happened in the past, huge tragedies such as 9-11 that temporarily brought the nation together on 9-11. There wasn't Republican, there wasn't Democrat. We were all Americans. The nation pulled together and we've done that in so many crises in the past. But this pandemic, as with so many issues in this toxic, polarized environment that we're living in right now has become a political issue. And that is unfortunate because it's allowing the pandemic to to spread further. I think that people can have an honest debate on how you respond to 
the statistics, you can make a case that, uh, yes, lockdowns will prevent infections, but there's also a psychological toll. There's an economic toll. And so you can have an honest debate on weighing the various risks on how extreme you want to have lockdowns and enforce social distancing from state to state. But don't deny the science. And what we're seeing right now is an attack on not just the science, but the individual scientist. Dr. Anthony Fauci knows this all too well, where he's getting death threats and has to have federal security just to protect his life. And that is one of the most unfortunate things that has come out of this pandemic, an attack on on the scientists who are the most likely to save us from becoming infected. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where if the American people can't trust the officials that they're hearing from and are confused about the information because you have some officials saying to listen to these scientists and others saying not to listen to those scientists, I imagine for the average American, it it can be difficult. And it's interesting how it rolls out in phases, whether it was initially the lockdown conversation and then whether or not masks needed to be worn, how long the lockdown needed to go on. And I imagine the next conversation is going to be about vaccine and, and treatment development as we do see a lot of these vaccines in their phase three trials. In terms of distribution for vaccines, what is the plan in the United States? And how do you feel this is going to also add into the political conversations? Because I do think that there is a a legitimate discussion to be had about who gets the vaccines first. And if something like socioeconomic status will play into someone's ability to make sure they and their family are safe? That's a great question. Right now, the states are coming up with their vaccine distribution plans. They've uh, submitted them to the CDC, and the federal government is preparing for having a distribution system in place by early November, even though it may be a little later before we start seeing the, the first vaccines. Most of the state plans that I've read about are giving priority to frontline health workers and also the elderly. Some of them talk generically about vulnerable populations, but there is a concern that even though minorities, African Americans, Hispanics are at greater risk for coronavirus, there is a concern that if you prioritize groups based on race to receive these vaccines, that could be subject to legal challenge and many public health officials are concerned that the Supreme Court would rule against giving racial preferences to vaccines. So instead, there's talk about looking for other factors, non-racial factors, such as the neighborhood that you live in. Is it a low socioeconomic status neighborhood? That on average would be at higher risk than wealthier neighborhoods regardless of race and so you may see some states going in that direction to avoid a legal challenge you've been listening to fox news correspondent jonathan sari we'll be right back i want to shift gears here and talk about travel we do have some new numbers this week from the tsa and it seems like whether it's related to as you mentioned before people just saying hey I'm not going to stay indoors anymore and I'm not going to be afraid of this or whether it's people feeling that uh, these social distancing and mask measures are working. It does seem like people are, are traveling more. Is that the case? 
It, it is. The TSA has seen some of the highest numbers that it's seen since the, the pandemic began. Still nothing like it was this same time last year when things were, were normal and it was a busy holiday travel season. Uh, but people are becoming bolder and, and traveling more. Public health officials are trying to get people to, to mitigate the risks, saying that even small household gatherings had, have furthered the spread of COVID-19. Ideally, they would like us all to keep our Thanksgiving dinner to our immediate household. But if you are going to gather with family members, there are ways that you can reduce the risk. You can all get tested before you gather. That's not feasible for for everyone, uh, but it is a good idea to reduce the risk. And if you, you limit it to uh, people who have had relatively low exposure, such as I, I think about my own family situation, um, I'm maintaining social distancing even at work, staying more than six feet away from my employees. My parents are not venturing outside of the, the house, not socializing with other people. So if I go down to Florida to visit my parents, I would feel very safe about that Thanksgiving gathering. I have other relatives who are not taking precautions. Uh, they are, uh, one of them recently had a very large baby shower, and much as I love her, I don't want her at my Thanksgiving gathering, um, potentially infecting my octogenarian parents. Yeah, it's certainly a concern, and it's difficult when you don't know where people have been before a gathering. And I guess that brings me to my next question. I appreciate how you describe uh, with a personal example what it's like to have to handle a situation like that. And I guess my question is, how do you report on a story like COVID-19 and what has your approach been? I think when we're looking at such large numbers of deaths and infection rates, it's easy to get caught up in the numbers and each day update viewers and listeners on how the charts are trending in the right or wrong direction. But when it comes down to it, this is a day-to-day, family-to-family issue, and, and people are losing loved ones, and each one of those loved ones has a story. So how do you take all of that data and information and put it in a way that viewers and listeners can consume it easily and understand it? You know, I, when I look at the numbers, I always try to remember that behind every number that there is a, a human being and a family and, and loved ones associated, associated with that person. Uh, so I try not to just speak in terms of cold numbers, but the impacts on people. I also am cognizant of the fact that my viewers are going to have a range of, um, of risk tolerance. It's just like when you invest. Some people don't want to take any risks. Others are, are more bold. And so I try to put the facts out there with not with, without a lot of judgment, knowing that uh, some people are going to be willing to take more risks than others when it comes to infecting themselves, but also reminding them that if they are willing to take these risks, that they need to mitigate the chances that they spread the disease to others who might not be willing to take the same risks. I really appreciate that reporting approach, and I think that that really allows the viewer to like you said, look at the facts at hand and come up with their own decisions about what they think about the information and then ultimately decide what's best for their family. I really appreciate your perspective on this and telling us about your reporting. Fox News correspondent Jonathan Sari. Jonathan, thank you again for your time. My pleasure. Anytime. 
You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.